The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If you could learn more about spirituality and how it can work in your favor, would you be intrigued? Of course you would. It's time to get real. This is Get Real Radio with your host, James Robinson. In our show, we'll interview fascinating guests with the intent of bringing you closer to who you really want to be. Get ready for some of the most profound radio on any airwaves today. Now, here is James Robinson. Welcome, everyone. This is great uh, Get Real Radio with your host, James Robinson. And today I'm going to be talking on a subject without a guest and because once in a while I come across something that I think is so important that I, I need to comment it on myself. And what I want to talk about today is what we refer to as the mind. Some people call it the ego. Some people call it our consciousness. I refer to it as our mind because that is what we do, is what we mind. So... A lot of the shows that we've been doing here in the past are interviewing people who deal with the mind. They're healers, they're doctors, they're nutritionists, all the different aspects of what makes us who we are. And in computer terms, the mind is basically our operating system that we are using to live our lives. The fascinating thing about the mind is is that when we're born, at least for the first couple of days, and until we start forming an identity or a perception of ourselves, we don't have a mind. We are solely dependent on our parents or our caretakers to take care of us, to feed us, to clean us, to nurture us. And we have no clue of what's going on around us. We're basically a blank page. I'm reminded of these uh, people that have strokes or have meningitis and various areas of the brain shut down. They actually flatline. And what happens is, is that they actually go back to that state of infancy before we start having thoughts, before we start thinking about the environment that we're in. And from that day forward, we start being programmed. And what I mean by programmed is we start forming thoughts, we start forming beliefs, we start forming assumptions, and we start thinking. And we start to develop a personality. And the reason that we do this is because at a very, very early age, we have to learn how to manipulate our environment so that we can survive. One of the things that I have come to realize in my own life is that, you know, what happens to us in infancy and uh, all along the way will change or influence the way we perceive our world. Because 
one of the things that they talk about, behavioral scientists talk about, is how important it is for babies to be held and to be touched and to be nurtured and to listen to the heartbeat of their parents while they're being held or things are not going to develop the same way. Personally, I was a premature baby. I was I was a twin, and I had a twin brother. And both of us weighed less than four pounds when we were born. I was I weighed about three pounds five ounces, and he was something close to that. And we were autumn, you know, instantly put into an incubator. And basically, this was a metal box, which we had no human contact for several weeks. Not quite sure how long that went, but that had, I'm sure, a substantial effect on the way that I view the world because people who are nurtured and held and have that tactile sense of belonging uh, have a far different experience than someone who might be raised in a metal box, at least for the first formative weeks of their life. And so everyone listening to this show is often asked or thought about the question, who am I? The thought that answers that question is your mind. And depending on your education, your experiences, your social status, your nutritional status, your health status, and all these different variables, you will answer that question differently than everybody else. When you like something, that is your mind making choices uh, about what you're perceiving. If you don't like something, that is your mind making choices about what you're perceiving. Because whether you like something or not like something, there is a personality, there is a belief system, there is your perception of yourself that is actually making choices about whether you like that or not. Now, of course, at the operating uh, on this operating center, we have a brain. And the brain is sort of like the hard wire, the operating machine that contains all of these thoughts, beliefs, emotions, or whatever. And by way of background, I've studied a lot of different philosophies with many teachers. I've studied a lot about Buddhism because mainly it's a mental abstract, it's a mental philosophy that deals Folk and focuses on the mental aspects of life. It's you know it's all about how our mind causes us to suffer and what we can do about that. I was also a deacon in the Southern Baptist Church and I taught adult Bible school every Sunday for ten years. So I I'm very fluent in Bible. You know I'm very familiar with Christian concepts. I'm very familiar with how the Christian religion. Uh, grew up historically because I studied the history of the Christian faith. And certainly it is something that was a lot different than I thought. I think the original concept was intended to be, like most religions which have evolved and developed basically through history and how human beings interact with the concepts of that faith. I've also studied the Hindu faith with the Mahabharata and the Bhagavad Gita, which are the main principles of Hinduism. And I've also studied most of the world's religions because you can find out how people interpret their world through their religions. All religions 
or the structure that people put on their experiences in an attempt to explain how the world works. You know, most religions use a mystical or a spiritual way of explaining how the world works, why things happen to this person or why things happen to that person and how it should be interpreted. And, of course, when you're born into a family that worships a certain religion, that's how you're programmed. So I was basically raised in a Christian household. And the a lot of the ways that I notice I perceive my world is based on Christian thinking. Uh, there's a big difference between Christian thinking, which is largely a philosophy of the West, from somebody who's Buddhist or uh, follows Confucianism or Hinduism or Jainism or any of the um, philosophies and religions of the East. You know, one of the favorite sayings about the difference between the East and the West is, is that in the West, if you see someone beating a donkey, you'll stop them for the donkey's sake. In the East... If they see someone beating a donkey, they will stop that for the man's sake or the person that's inflicting the pain and suffering. And that's just because we have different processes, we have different perspectives, and we have different understandings, and we're programmed differently as to how the world works. Buddhism uses structure to explain the mind and how it causes us to suffer. Christianity is more of an emotional or a heartfelt approach because we're instructed to love one another. That's not such a focus in Buddhism. But we have a brain and we have a mind. And the difference is that the brain is a physical organ that processes energy in the form of emotions, thoughts, and memories. Uh, we don't have enough time today to discuss everything about the interactions of these types of energies. But let me just say that there are different sections of the brain that causes us to experience complex and sometimes conflicting experiencing experiences. For example, we have a frontal lobe, which scientists have determined uh, is the source of reasoning, planning, parts of speech, Movements, emotional, and analytical skills. There's the parietal lobe, which is more in the top middle of the brain, which processes movement, orientation, recognition, perception of stimuli. We have the occipital lobe, which is the back of the brain, sometimes called the reptile brain, which is associated with visual processing, which means what do we, how do we interpret what we see or experience? And then there's a temporal lobe, which is associated with perception and recognition of auditory stimuli, memory, and speech. And so right away, there's a uh, compartmentalization of how we perceive the world, depending on which part of the brain we're using. And you put on top of that that the brain is split down the middle from front to back so that we have two what are called hemispheres. We have the left brain, which is more associated with logic and analysis, and then we have the right brain, which is more uh, concerned with creativity and intuition. And so basically, those are eight different sections of every brain that 
depend that creates a possible color or uh, perception that might be different from somebody else's. Then on top of that, we have the limbic system, which is called the emotional brain, and that's composed of the thalamus, the hypothalamus, the amygdala, and the hippocampus. So when people start talking about their emotions, they have to understand that this is something that is centered in the brain. It's not centered somewhere else. And so the emotions fall into the same category, if you will, as thoughts and beliefs. And they're all interconnected. You can't have a thought without a belief and without an emotion. So it is of vital importance if you want to understand what's happening in your world to understand that you're going to have to be aware of how these different things uh, are interacting. And then you add your brain stem, which is the back part of your brain that goes into the spinal cord and your nervous system, all of which is perceiving and coloring and making a difference in what you perceive to be uh, your reality. We have a heart, which is an organ that pumps blood around our body, and we're not, science is not really fully aware yet of the fact of the part that that organ plays in our perception because it has a lot of cells that are structured just like our brain cells, and they're actually neuron like in appearance, and they may actually be creating thoughts themselves, which would explain why it has persisted throughout the ages that emotions are connected to the heart. We have other organs that, such as the liver, which are the, um, has always been associated with wisdom. But it also has cells and structures that resemble the brain. And so there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of input that our various parts of our body contribute to what we understand is what is going along. And all of this has to figure into uh, how intelligent we are, how happy we are, and whether or not we are enjoying our, our existence or we're suffering. And so when anybody starts talking about, well, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm sick, I'm uh, or however they're experiencing whatever is going on in their life, there's dozens of different things that can contribute to that experience. And what's really important to a conscious response to stimuli, for lack of a better word, and how you can resolve the issues in your life that are painful or causing suffering or misery is to understand how the brain works how your organs work, how your nervous system works, and how, what you can do about that. Because if you're not aware of these types of things, then you're at the mercy of whatever's been programmed into you. If you've been programmed that life sucks, that's what you're going to experience because you don't know any better. If you've been programmed that you're supposed to overreact to any stimuli, if, if you've been raised in a family where uh, there was a lot of violence and a lot of abuse, you're going to experience events and stimuli much differently than someone that was nurtured and loved and protected. And so our experience with life 
can be much different depending on both our backgrounds and our experiences and what's going on between our ears because there are a lot of problems with this very delicate structure that we call the brain that may be causing brain chemistry that causes neurosis or psychosis or other kinds of malfunctions in the way we think that can only be treated chemically. If that's your problem, then please seek medical help. But for everybody else, uh, I want to talk to you about what we can do to enhance our experience, to improve our experience, and to explain what our experience is. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. This is Get Real Radio, and I'm your host, James Robinson. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. We'd love to hear from you. Please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. That's mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. This is Get Real Radio with your host, James Robinson, and I'm talking today about the mind and our perception because it plays such a critical role in how we experience our life. Now, the mind, in my understanding, is the awareness that we're able to bring to our experience and our and what happens to us in life. And as I explained earlier, we have there's a lot of different components to the mind. There's a brain, there's a very different parts of the brain, there's our experiences, there's the programming, there's all sorts of influences 
and conditions on how we actually perceive our world around us. And with all these neurons and brains operating, there, there has to be a way that we can make it work so it functions properly. And that's what the role of the mind is. It's the, op- it's the software, to use a computer part, uh, computer description, that enables us to take all of this input, all of this stimuli, not only outside of our body, but inside our body, and make sense of it all. In that sense, whatever we understand that we're perceiving is our reality. Because one thing that I know from experience is that my reality is far different from somebody else's reality. And I'll explain that in a minute. But when all of these brain functions don't work properly, there are consequences. And I've explained that some people who have chemical imbalances or disease, they have psychosis, hallucination, epilepsy, depression, anxiety, and stress, all of which causes disease and illness in the body. And some of these conditions are the result in imbalances in the brain and body, which only can be treated by medication. And so, again, if you have a disorder or a problem with coping with reality, please see a medical professional. For everybody else, when we're experiencing suffering, we have to understand that there are two causes of that suffering. One is physical, and that's because we have imbalances in the body. And then there are problems with perception. And these are not necessarily interdependent because one is usually contributing to the other. And there's a vast body of study of which many of us are aware of that the role that emotional problems causes in physical illness and vice versa. And how we think about and what we think about causes our perception of life to be altered. What we perceive creates our own reality. And the perfect example of this is the interplay of our emotional states in our physical world. Now, as an example, let's take a look at a soccer ball. I hope everybody knows what a soccer ball is. Because the World Cup was just a big-ticket item all over the world recently, uh, most of the world was focused on what happens when you put 22 men, one soccer ball, and a referee in a confined space. And if you'll follow along this analogy, you'll be able to apply the same analysis to the way we perceive life. The first layer of the structure of that event was that the soccer is what do we do with that soccer ball? In other words, you just don't throw it out there on the field and and simply watch 22 men stare at each other and stare at the soccer ball. There's, there's something we do with that soccer ball, and there's certain rules that have to be followed in order to make the soccer ball work in this game setting. And so the first layer is, what do you do with the soccer ball? And you kick it with your feet, you can touch it with your head, you can touch it with all your body, but you cannot touch it with your hands or your arms. That's the second layer, is the rules. What rules do we make up to be able to function with that soccer ball? And that is, how do we behave around this soccer ball? The third layer is the referee, who determines whether the first two layers are properly behaving. 
In other words, it's up to the referee to tell one of the players, you violated a rule, get back, or award a penalty goal, or to throw the player off the field. That is the layer of consciousness that is above the first two layers. The fourth layer is the concept of winning or losing. You know, they could sit there and play all day long, score all kinds of goals, but that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. That is a layer of consciousness that we have put on that game in order to make it worthwhile. So the point of analysis is, why do we have to make somebody win or lose? That's just a belief. That's a layer of consciousness that you can instantly see or you can correlate to how we view the world. Finally, is how do we respond or how do we react to the outcome of the game? In other words, do you like who wins? Do you feel badly about who loses? You know, whole countries can change overnight based on the outcome of what happens to that soccer ball. And so when you start with something relatively benign uh, or insignificant, something that's just a basically a skin inflated with air, it could change the course of countries based on the consciousness that we build around this. Another example is how we look at a soccer ball relative to our beliefs, emotions, and thoughts. Depending on your situation and background, you can be thrilled with receiving a soccer ball as a gift. There are many, many people in the world that would love to have a soccer ball because they have nothing. And yet, similarly, you could receive a soccer ball and be thoroughly miserable. You have no use for a soccer ball. You have no intention of playing the game of soccer. You don't even, want, you don't even like to sweat. What am I going to do with this soccer ball? It all depends on your mind and how your mind perceives what that soccer, how that soccer ball is going to interact in your life. And that is not only a function of your brain and perception. You, know, you, you have to recognize that it's a soccer ball, first of all. Uh, it could be just something round. And if you've never seen a soccer game, you've never, you know, if you were two days old and you saw a soccer ball, you would have no clue as to what that was for. But if you're 22 years old and you look at the soccer ball and have no desire to have a soccer ball, you probably would not be overjoyed or thrilled about the fact that somebody gave you a soccer ball. But for some people on this planet, receiving a soccer ball could mean the difference between them having a life of poverty and uh, lack or becoming a world star soccer player and earning hundreds of millions of dollars a year. But that is uh, all a function of your brain. It's also a function of your experiences, your environment, and your memories. You can use this example on anything, whether it's any kind of sport, it's any kind of device, it's, or any kind of experience, because any event in your life starts out being something that is has no meaning. But when you start putting meaning on it, that's when you start inserting your mind into the equation and you start experiencing life based on your mind. When we talk about consciousness or awareness, there are also various layers and causes and effects which color our experiences of life. 
One way to observe this is to change the way we perceive the events and objects that populate our landscape. How we think about something is the first layer of awareness. What we think about after we first encounter that is another layer of awareness. One of the things that I have spent a lot of time doing over the last few years is just simply being aware of what I'm thinking about. And no matter how intelligent or conscious we are, we can only entertain one thought at a time. The thought may only exist for a nanosecond, and it may seem like we can be thinking about multiple thoughts at once, but our perception only can only entertain one thought at a time. So we can actually, if we focus and concentrate, we can actually catalog what it is we're thinking of at any one minute or one second. And there are lots of exercises that uh, people, uh, psychologists, consultants, and life coaches give, you know, for five minutes or for ten minutes, just simply um, we can focus on what it is we're thinking. And so... But that's very difficult because the thoughts are, our minds are very, very fast. The nervous synapses in our brains are firing multiple times a second. And so it's also difficult to see or to catalog everything that we're thinking about because, as I said, there are multiple things we focus on in one time. There's, there's a subliminal input that we get from, you know, just the fact we're sitting in a chair and we may feel hot, we may feel cold. We may be thinking about the person that's sitting in front of us and telling, and who's telling us how much their life sucks. It may be something completely different. We may be getting a vaccination and we're having to deal with the physical pain of getting a shot. Multiple, multiple, thousands of inputs all at the same time. It's often different or difficult to be completely aware of what we're thinking all at the same time. And a lot of times we can actually have a thought that we're not aware of. And that will create a, a, a reaction in our emotional brain, that part of the brain, because as I said before, emotions are actually come from the same organ, the brain, that our thoughts do and our beliefs do. And so we have to, and when we're feeling an emotion, when we're feeling sad, when we're feeling angry, when we're feeling um, uh, pain, emotional pain, how do we deal with that? You know, we have the left side of the brain, which is the analytical brain. We have the right side of the brain that just feels, for lack of a better word, it just intuits and is creative. All of that perceives a singular event in different ways. And we have filters or beliefs that we develop after we're born, which makes a difference in how we perceive all of this input and how we perceive how we're reacting to this input. If we were raised in a violent household, for example, and were abused as a child, physically, emotionally, or mentally, how we react to something that is said is going to be far different than how someone who is nurtured and loved and held and supported is going to react to. And we develop, we develop habitual patterns of thinking. 
And this is influenced by a lot of things, by nutrition, by our social status, by our education, by our environment, our bodily functions, and a large number of variables which we are constantly analyzing and processing thousands of times a minute in order to make us as, be as safe as possible. Now, one of the things that we often ask ourselves is how can we control this? How can we be at peace when all of chaos is happening around us? How can we be happy when bad things are happening to good people or bad things are happening to us? And that is the very first thing because if somebody was raised in a household where somebody would throw things at them and try to hurt them, for example, they would react to somebody raising their hand in a far different manner than someone who would be raising that hand to pat your head or pat your back or give you a hug. So you have to be very vigilant. You have to be very conscious of the fact that just because somebody's raising their hand in your general vicinity doesn't mean that they're going to try to hit you. But that is the way people who are raised in that kind of environment, that violent environment, will perceive that event. And even though the event itself is meaningless, we go off on these tangents that with assumptions and reactions and fears and anger and emotions that that person may have just been raising their hand to comb their hair. But we don't know that. If you've been raised in that environment, we only know what we know, and we've only experienced what we've experienced. So how do we break out of that dynamic? Humans are probably the only beings on this planet that have the ability to choose to suffer or to choose to die. I don't know of any species on the planet that makes a conscious decision to suffer and if that would benefit another. And yet, many people have been maimed, many people have been hurt, many people have been killed in wars that were fought in order for an idea, uh, for a concept, for uh, the notion that I'm right and you're wrong, or religious beliefs, all of which you're never going to see uh, in the animal world because animals don't wage wars. Plants don't wage wars. Only human beings wage wars. So what is wrong with our way of thinking that creates that dynamic that we would actually go hurt another person because their beliefs are different? We fight wars and kill, maim, and, and harm others simply for belief because we're right and they're wrong. We can create great beauty for beliefs, and we can inflict great pains. But how we perceive that is the key to whether we enjoy a peaceful, beautiful life or we cause pain and suffering. So we have to take another break, and when we come back, I'll be talking about how we can help ourselves through this very complicated process and Enjoy peace and happiness. This is Get Real Radio, and I'm your host, James Robinson. Ask 
the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. We'd love to hear from you. Please call in to 1-866-472-5788. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. That's mr.jamesmedia at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Get Real Radio, and I'm your host, James Robinson, and we've been talking about consciousness and the mind. And one of the things that we have to understand is that with all these different sections of the brain that I've discussed, each one is for a particular purpose. The limbic system and the, and the back of our brain is for survival. It's what we've been programmed with to stay alive. And all of the survival thoughts and beliefs which we develop over time through our experiences and and from watching others are the basic level of belief. Without this, we believe that we cannot survive. And these beliefs are the beliefs that can either save us or kill us. If we are moved from one environment to another, these beliefs can be useless. Beliefs which serve us in the jungle will not help us in the city. And the beliefs that help us in the city will very frequently be a problem in the jungle. So in order to raise our awareness to a higher level, we need to look at what we believe and how we think about that. And the key to understanding the importance of beliefs and thoughts is what we believe and think about what we erroneously call our reality. This is where some belief systems have gained a great deal of popularity in our culture. Systems such as the secret and the power of now are neither right nor wrong. They are simply systems their founders or creators believe will help us 
to create better lives. The key to all of this is to be aware of what we are thinking about and what we are believing. If there is something which you are thinking about most of the time, that probably is changing your reality. If you're wishing something to change, the non-existence of what you want to create is probably causing you to focus on something you don't like. In other words, we can focus on thoughts that we like, or we can focus on thoughts that we don't like. Thoughts like, we're a victim, or I'm not good enough, or I can't figure, I'm not smart enough, or I'm unlovable. All of those thoughts are simply thoughts. They're just, as, they're no more thoughts than, I am worthy, I am abundant, I am healthy, and Just like we can choose to suffer or die for a cause or a belief, we can choose which thoughts we think. Because, as I said before, we can only think one thought at a time. And one difference between us and animals that aren't as highly developed is that we get to choose what we think about. If you focus on an illness or a lover or a child or a job or the lack of any of those then that's going to be our reality. That's what we're going to perceive because that's what we're thinking about. We're not going to notice the flower on the side of the path because we're thinking about the health of our child or the future of our child or our own future. So if we can just take a deep breath and simply note what we're thinking about when we're uh, worrying about this or that, when we're not tying our shoes or splitting an atom, that will give us a clue of what's going on in our minds. And one of the themes of my radio show has been to expose our listeners on how to improve our life through wellness, healing, changing the way our mind works, and behavior modification and spiritual and myst- through spiritual and mystical concepts. All of these choices that we bring to you are systems to improve your reality. From a higher perspective, these systems are just as much a part of the mind as the problems caused by the mind. And one of the most popular forms of changing the mind is meditation. One of my favorite stories is a story of the Dalai Lama when he first started coming to the United States to lecture was he used to allow people up on stage after his lecture for an informal reception. And there's a story, which I believe to be true, of him having a lecture in a New York university. And this woman comes up on the stage, and she's middle-aged. She's very rich. It's obvious she's wearing jewels. She's had her hair done. She's got lots of makeup on. and, And she's obviously very, very wealthy. And she comes up to... Dalai Lama and says, Dalai Lama, Dalai Lama, can you help me? My husband hates me. My children hate me. I hate my life. What can you tell me to do? And the Dalai Lama just looks at her and says, change your mind. And that's basically one of the most profound summaries of what most philosophies and most religions try to get us to do. And that is that we have to be aware of what our mind is doing to our lives. We're actually in a constant state of meditation. We meditate all the time. The difference is, what are we focused on? Are we focused on a certain kind of thought? Are we focused on 
thoughts that create peace and happiness in our lives, or are we focused on thoughts that cause us pain and suffering? And one of the things, one of the problems with our culture and with the world at large is that I would have to say 90% of the population is trained to focus on thoughts that cause us pain and suffering. And the reason for that is, is that when we focus on that, we have, we believe that we have a better chance of survival. In other words, if we think of all the things that could go wrong, then maybe we'll have a solution when they go wrong. Of course, the problem with that way of thinking is, is that if we're focusing on all the things that can go wrong, that's what we're going to see. In other words, there are lots of exercises on the, for the brain and the mind that what you concentrate on is what you see. If you concentrate on sticks or yellow Volkswagens, that's what you're going to see. That's what you're going to experience. If you focus on fun and laughter and feeling happy, that's what you're going to experience. That is how powerful the mind is. But one of the fallacies or one of the misconceptions about meditation is, is that there are probably only a handful of people on the planet that can actually meditate without having any thoughts, that can actually stop the mind, stop the thinking, stop the, the spinning of the wheels in the heads. And that's because primarily they've spent a lifetime training to do that. They don't have a day job. They don't have children and families. They don't have bosses, and they don't have to pay taxes. They're usually in a situation where they're fully supported. They have organizations that feed them, clothe them, and protect them and, and nurture them so they can have that space and they can have the quiet and they can have the peace in order to train their mind not to worry about things like taxes, incomes, what your child is doing, what your husband and wife is doing, all those things that intrude upon our lives. And they, this is not, there's nothing wrong with this. It's just that you have to understand that you can get just as much benefit from a meditation that has thinking in it as you can a meditation that has no thinking. You may experience a different kind of meditation, and you may experience a different kind of understanding, but the benefits of the meditation are there no matter what. The trick is, what are you thinking about? And so that is why it's so important to concentrate on and be aware of what you're thinking about in any given moment. Now, you've been patiently listening to me and be wondering, what does all of this have to do with me? I've got a mortgage, I've got kids, I've got car payments to make, and I'm going to be stressed out no matter what you say. Well, first of all, people who are aware of how their thoughts and mind affect their happiness and joy are much better able to stay in a state of joy and happiness because they're simply aware of what's going on in their heads and then they're between their ears. People who are not aware of these thoughts and are ignorant of the causes of their suffering are prisoners of their minds. Let's face it, the mind is self-programmed to run the show. There's almost an animalistic need of self-preservation in the mind, so without supervision, 
the mind will continue to create situations and perceptions that require the continued use of the mind. So pay attention. When you're sitting there and there's nothing happening, what do you think about? These are, you know, when you're sitting at your desk and there's, the phone isn't ringing, uh, babies aren't crying, bill collectors aren't calling, that's a perfect time for you just to simply relax and take some deep breaths and enjoy the fact that you're having a moment of peace. The first, and I'm going to give you a couple of exercises to help you understand how this works. The first exercise you can do to elevate your awareness is stop using adjectives and adverbs. And what do I mean by that? When we see something or we observe something, many times we will use an adjective or an adverb to describe that as a way of categorizing or perceiving what just happened, such as good or bad, right or wrong, love or hate. And these are buzzwords that are used by the mind to self-perpetuate itself. If you find yourself using words like uh, good or bad, or I don't like that, or I like that, or anything that is descriptive, that is your mind at work. And if you notice yourself using that, those kinds of words, such as need or want or hate or love or other similar words that tend to create emotions and feelings, what you've got to be aware of is that is your mind controlling you. If you can, what we call step back from that, just one step or even a half step, and just watch the fact that there are thoughts going through your mind and you are not your thoughts. You can do it with just a little practice. When you when you have a quiet moment, just look at whatever you're thinking about and think about it without the tags, without the adjectives, without the adverbs. And then you'll see a disc there'll be a space created between you and that thought. The second exercise I want you to try or to use is to stop resisting. If there is something happening in your life that you don't like, it is happening for your benefit, whether you like it or not. The whole concept of lack was devised by our minds to give the mind something to keep churning on about. When relationships change or end, we have to believe and know that it is for our benefit. If we behave or believe, or think that we are victims, our minds will perpetuate that situation so that it can think about it until we die. We'll obsess on that relationship. We'll obsess on who was right. We'll obsess on who was wrong. We'll obsess on who said this. We'll obsess on who said that. And all of it is mental masturbation. What we have to do is just not resist what is happening because what is happening is divinely ordained to help us learn how to live a better life. The third thing I want you to think about and to exercise is the concept of dying. We all are going to look, there's no getting around it. Nobody gets out of this life alive. We're all going to die, and sooner or later, 
we have to face that fact. But that does not mean we have to go into a deep depression. That does not mean that we are going to suffer and we're going to be in pain. It's just a fact of life. And as soon as we stop resisting that, we can start enjoying what we're experiencing in the moment. Because it's very, very important that we not get all emotional about the fact that we're here for a certain period of time, and then we go on to something else. And whether you're believe in reincarnation, you believe in an afterlife, you believe in heaven, you believe in hell, or you don't believe in anything. It doesn't change the fact that, yes, we are going to change form one way or another at some point. Remember that emotions are just as much a part of the mind as our beliefs and thoughts. Beliefs, thoughts, and emotions are all generated by the mind, and what kind of emotion you experience has everything to do with the recipe you use to create them. For example, if you focus on an illness or your problems or lack of worth or problems of lack of relationships, your emotional state will be one of pain. Pain, whether it's emotional or physical, is always an indication that you need to change what you're thinking about. So welcome pain as a friend who is telling you to look out, cliff ahead, you will fall and you don't like it. Emotional pain is much easier to deal with than physical pain. The amount of change required to heal emotional pain is far less than the amount of change required to heal physical pain. One of the most effective changes for emotional pain is gratitude. I've talked about this in my book, How Big Is Your Butt? Gratitude can change almost any thought and belief we hold, and it allows us to be peaceful and happy even in times which are clearly stressful. Magic is gratitude, and gratitude is magic. It allows us to change thoughts, beliefs, emotions, and everything else surrounding the fear of future. One of the biggest challenges we face is the fear of the future, and that is the, one of the most limiting aspects of our day-to-day life. If we can be grateful and to understand that life is not going to end tomorrow, we can be happy human beings. A friend of mine play this game every morning where we tell each other that something wonderful is going to happen that day. So no matter what we're thinking about, no matter what's happening to us, we always smile and say to ourselves, something wonderful is going to happen today. So if you can use these exercises in your daily life, you can avoid the trap that our mind sets for ourselves, and that is to keep using our mind. We can enjoy our life, we can experience gratitude, we can experience peace, and we can experience happiness. This is Get Real Radio, and I'm your host, James Robinson, and we look forward to having you with us next week. Thank you again for tuning in to Get Real Radio with James Robinson. Please join us again next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. This week, open up your heart and look inside your spiritual self.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 